Season 4, Episode 2 of the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Sarovsky Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. In this episode, we are chatting all about South Africa's endemic bird species with special guest Daniel Engelbrecht. We will look at which species are endemic to the region, discuss threats to them, and look at the best places to find them in the country. Daniel also gives us his five favorite South African endemic species, and we get an update on his nemesis bird species. If you are looking to visit the Karoo to find the area's special endemics, be sure to consider using Calfontaine stable cottages and the paddocks as a base. Stunning views of Karoo landscape from your patio, solitude and peace of mind. This converted barn provides excellent accommodation and living space with self-catering facilities. Thanks to the variety of vegetation and the unique geography of the Karoo, this area is rich in birdlife and currently boasts about 250 avian species. Bird specials include Blue Coron, Karoo Coron, Black Coron, Ludwig's Bustard, Namaqua Dove and Cape Eagle Owl. Be sure to check them out in our birding directory and find out just what this venue offers the birder or visit www.calfontaine.co.za. Please take some time to visit our online store on our website. We sell optics, books, art, and more, all to help you as a birder. If you need further assistance about products or anything else around the birding life, drop us an email on info at and we will get back to you. So let's get into this week's episode. So we got a return guest, got Daniel Engelbrecht back. Um, last time I was speaking to him all the way from Limpopo. This time I'm speaking to him from Cape Town. So welcome back to the show. Hi, Adam. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for the for the welcome. And uh, yeah, great, great, great to be on the show again. So why are you down in Cape Town? What's happening? Uh, yeah, so at the moment I'm, I'm currently pursuing my undergrad at Stellenbosch University. So I've, I've moved down to the down to the Cape, traded the Limpopo for the, for the Cape. Yeah, like I said, pursuing my undergrad here at the moment, living in Stellenbosch. So getting lots of Cape birding in um, over the last couple of months. And what did your Limpopo bird list end on? I know you probably can still be going back up there to see family in there, but what is your Limpopo bird list on at the moment? Yeah, so currently my, my Limpopo list is on 549 species. I actually went up in March and there was the potential to add the, the big 550 um, with double-banded Corsa. Um, unfortunately, that, <laughs> that, that, that didn't work out. So yeah, at the moment still 549. So yeah, one species away from the the big Limpopo milestone. So yeah, who knows, maybe in this next trip, up in July, I'll be up there again. So yeah, hope hopefully we can get it done. So we're going to be talking about a topic that I haven't spoken about yet on this podcast. The the youth podcast, Mark and them have already been speaking about alien invasive species. So we're going to kind of almost go the opposite spectrum. And we're going to, we're going to speak tonight about endemic species and specifically species that are endemic to um, South Africa. And I'm going to ask you to, you know, throughout the show, you're going to be sharing your five favorite endemic birds. So just the information stuff, there are 18 true endemics in South Africa, 50 near endemics and one breeding near endemic. So for the sake of listeners that might not know, what is an endemic species? Oh uh, yeah. So an endemic species is basically 
I mean, it, it depends on, on how you define it, but it's a species that can only be seen within a certain geographical area. So, I mean, normally we refer to endemics on the basis of a country, like you mentioned there. But I mean, yeah, it, it really depends on how you, how you wish to define it. You can get endemics to, for example, a province. It's basically any geographical area. Yeah, like as I mentioned, it's a species that you can't see anywhere outside that specific geographical area. So just a list. I just want to read through the list. These are the 18 endemic species in South Africa, the true endemics. This is the list. And this is. I just want to highlight something quite scary about this. And you spoke about the fact that they're only found in South Africa. So the 18 species are Rudd's lock, Botha's lock, Fainbos button quail, Cape parrot, Nasna warbler, red lock, Southern black coron, yellow-breasted pipit, Nasna woodpecker, Protea seed eater, Cape rock jumper, Agullus long-billed lock, Cape bulbul, Cape long-billed lock, Victron's warbler, orange-breasted sunbird, Cape siskin, and Cape sugarbird. Now, here's, here's what I find really scary. Rudd's lock, Botha's lock, Fainbos button quail, and Cape parrots are all endangered. There are four of the birds on the species that are vulnerable, four on near threats, and only, only six birds on this are considered least concern. And that's quite scary because if these birds are only found in South Africa and found nowhere else, I mean, when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like you mentioned there, specifically, I would say Bertha's lark is, is was one of those species that really stands out as a a very range-restricted endemic. And yeah, it's if I'm not mistaken, it, as you mentioned, it is an endangered species. So, and yeah, I mean, as you said, these are birds that are found nowhere else in the world. So, I mean, they're of utmost conservation concern. And yeah, often birds, for example, such as Bertas and Rudd's Lark, these are not the more iconic endemics, for example, like Blue Crane. So it's easy for people to sort of turn a blind eye and overlook them. And yet, yeah, as you mentioned, a number of our endemics are under serious conservation threat and i guess the danger around this would also be that you know like a rhino or a leopard or something a lot of people are aware of this i mean a little brown lock an lbj in the middle of very range restricted i think a lot of people in south africa who are not birders would have no idea about that bird at all no absolutely i mean these are these are not the most glamorous of species and yeah as a result as i mentioned these are easily overlooked i think very few people actually know just how small the range of say Bertha's lock is and just how few individuals there are and as a result of it not being you know one of those those glamorous uh, species of conservation concern there's also there's also quite a lack of information about them um, about exactly where these birds occur it's hard to get an accurate population estimate so yeah these are these are definitely things that need to be looked into and um, yeah as you, as you mentioned it's it's something that that is of, of, of big concern at the moment. Yeah, I know everyone always speaks about the negative side of social media, but I think one of the benefits is is like your Instagram account, getting the photos you get, also looking at some of the photos that Trevor Hoddick has been getting of some of these birds, and they're fantastic photos. And I think the great thing about social media is that in some way it creates awareness around these species. No, for sure. I, I agree with you 100%. So Daniel, I've asked you over the course of this episode, we're going to be chatting about your five favorite South African endemic species. Now, I know you might stretch it a bit, but we're going to give you the chance to chat about the birds that are you're the five birds, five endemic species that you are most passionate about and why. So let's start with your fifth favorite endemic species. Tell us what the bird is and why it is so special to you. So out of these five species, I've tried to spread them out sort of around the country as much as possible. And I think they do reflect my my favorite endemics. I mean, if it's possible to choose favorite endemics. When I was going through this list, I mean, I've got my top five here, but I've left out really iconic species such as rock jumpers. It seems almost criminal to have a top five 
endemic list without including rock jumpers. Uh, but yeah, starting with number five, I'd like to go with Neogod Sunbird. It's a species that I only got to see last year and uh, yeah, really immediately slotted in as one of my one of, one of my all-time favorites. Very sweet little, little sunbird, really attractive. And I think what part of the appeal for me is that it, it, it occurs in a really special area. It's in that, that, that northern Zululand part of the country and then extends up into Mozambique. And yeah, I guess it's a combination of, of the bird being quite, quite an attractive sunbird and then also a very small global range as well. So, yeah, I guess I'd like to slot Neogods in as 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 number five um, species that you can target. I think most reliably, probably the, the traditional spot would be in, in Kuzi Game Reserve. But yeah, I mean they occur up into into Zululand quite extensively, and then obviously into Mozambique as well. So yeah, I think to start things off, I think Neogods sunbird is, is is definitely one of my one of my top five endemics. So Daniel, just to touch on something, and I, we've probably touched on this in a previous episode, you know, we're going to go through these five birds and you were a Limpopo birder and obviously local knowledge plays a big part. You've moved down to the Cape. I got to bird it a little bit with you just before the flock to Marion cruise. But, you know, how do you go around the preparation? Because there are people that are listening to this that might hear about these birds and might want to add these birds to their list. This podcast goes out on radio stations also. So there might be people that aren't even birders. How, how do you go around preparing to locate these birds because you know i read about your zululand trip i think you did last year and you know one thing about the preparation you did really set you up because you got to see a lot of the species that you were planning to see how does that preparation process look like for you yeah i think in terms of in terms of preparation for any trip like you you mentioned now local knowledge is obviously of utmost importance so sort of before planning any trip i'll i'll chat to local birders guides who guide in the area and even just people who bird the, the areas I plan on visiting on a regular basis. So, yeah, I would say connect with local birders and use the, the resources available to you. For example, in South Africa, I find Sabab 2, the, the South Africa Bird Atlas Project, is an extremely valuable resource for, for finding up-to-date range maps on where species are found. So use resources like that, combine it with local knowledge, and then, yeah, sort of pin together what you want to see, get a target list together, and then work on a route around that and sort of how how you plan on targeting those species given the time you have. So, but yeah, I think my my top advice would be definitely to connect with with local birders before planning any any trip. I think their knowledge on the sites is absolutely invaluable. You've already spoken about the fact that these five birds you've chosen for your list are found in different places of the country, but there obviously are places in the country that are really good for getting endemic species. Which are some places for people that are listening that might want to start this pursuit of endemic birds? Which are some places that you would suggest that they should they should visit? Yeah, so I mean, I was looking through the through the endemics earlier, and they, they sort of concentrated in three main areas. So if you take the whole subregion, obviously the the Fynbos biome down here in the Cape has a whole stack of the endemics. In fact, I was looking; you can target sixty-two of the endemics within a day trip from Cape Town. So that's equates to a similar percentage of the endemics in the subregion, just around Cape Town. So obviously the, the Feinbos biome has a large number of the endemics, the Karoo also. So in, in general, the majority of the endemic species are more on, on the western side of, of the subregion, and the east is sort of more for, for, diver, for the diversity of species. But having said that, the, the high-fault grasslands also contain quite a few of our endemics. So as a, as a rough overview, the, the Feinbos area, the Karoo, and the, the high-fault grasslands, those are our main areas of endemism in, in the subregion. Since our last episode, you've started, you've started guiding, which is really awesome. And I mean, yeah, I think if anyone's looking for a guide, if you listen to any of Daniel's previous podcasts, he is 
one of South Africa's best birders. You know, as as a as a guide, endemics obviously are, are of even I would say even more value than a lot of the birds because these are birds that you can only see in South Africa. We've kind of touched on this because you did a trip up to Zimbabwe before, and we've spoken about you as a tourist. The question I ask is, how important do you feel that endemic species are for the tourism industry, and do you feel that as someone who's maybe just started in the tourism, do you feel that the tourism industry has fully grasped the importance of endemic species yet? Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, obviously endemic species play a, a massive role in, uh, the, the, they're part of the, the major appeal for international birders to come to South Africa. And obviously, in addition to that, South Africa, in terms of the rest of the African continent, is, is, is a relatively easy country to travel in. We've got a well-developed road network. It's relatively safe. It's relatively cheap for, for international visitors. So there is that appeal. And coupled with the sort of infrastructure side and what makes it appealing to, to tourists, we have all these endemic species as well. No, I would say, I would say absolutely. The endemics, obviously, like, like you mentioned, they, they are, how can I say, they are one of our major draw cards. And I mean, certain areas are definitely capitalizing on, on the fact that they, that they can advertise you know, having a number of endemic species. But no, I think there's, there's, there's still a, a, lot, a lot of space for something like this. Um, I think many places underestimate the, the value that AV tourism can bring, and especially when you consider yeah, endemic species on the on the international market. Yeah, I remember when I asked Garrett Skeed and we had this episode where we spoke about our favorite birds and our birds that aren't we don't like as much. And yeah, he spoke about uh, you know, he said he loves all birds and as birders we love all birds. But you know, I've I've often spoken to places that are on our birding directory and said to them, you know, it's important that you know the birds. I know all birds are special, um, but there are birds that birders will travel a little bit more, a little bit further to see. And I think for people that might be listening to this who own lodges and game reserves and all that kind of thing, you know, get to know the endemic species in your area because those are are birds that a lot of birders may travel to your area to look for. And I think it's just that bit of growing in your understanding a little bit. I think it does, it could offer possibilities to attract new uh, new tourists to your to your place. No, certainly. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And for example, in... In many places, uh, for example, if you're in the Karoo, it might be it might be challenging to find sort of tourists that that that, that would be interested to go to the Karoo. So if you can market it as 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 a place where you can see endemic species or endemic birds, that's obviously a major drawcard for places like that as well. So yeah, no, I definitely think marketing places as areas where you can see endemic species, where you can see special birds, and that's something that I feel many places don't exploit to the fullest. No, you highlighted something very important there. I mean, before I was a birder, the crew would have never been something that I would have thought of going to. But as a birder, there's species that you only find in that area. And like you like you just said now, it really presents possibilities to there obviously are people that want to go to the crew, but a lot of people would never think of going there. But there's definitely a big draw card for birders and if accommodation places and guides and tourism bureaus that can actually link up to us, they, help, they can actually start highlighting, highlighting the endemic and, and help birders locate. And I think there's a, a really, a, I mean, AV tourism, we know, is a huge market. As you mentioned, no, for sure. Um, there's, it is a mass market. And I think it's definitely a growing market as well. So yeah, definitely something for larger owners and people who own accommodation to to look into. And yeah, I think there's a, a lot of potential in, in that market. So Daniel, let's go to your fourth favorite endemic. What is your fourth favorite on the bird on the list and why? So it's actually a species that we spoke about earlier. I've included Bertus lark as my, as my fourth favorite. I'm, I'm a massive fan of larks. In fact, one of my other top five species is, is also lark, but we'll, we'll get to that later. 
And yeah, I mean, it's a combination of just the the, the sheer rarity of the species. It's, it's a very difficult bird to find. It's probably one of our one of our slightly more challenging endemics. There are areas where these birds are, are very reliable. And um, no, it's just it's, it's it's a really interesting bird. It's as I mentioned, it's it's this bird with a very small global range. Definitely not a, a large population size. Quite a small population, and yet you go to to sort of these very rural areas and places like like Vakenstrom, and you can see Bertha's locks foraging in between in between villages, and it just seems it's it's almost such an interesting thing. You've seen this really rare bird in in what looks like a very sub up suboptimal habitat, and yet these birds are thriving in, for example, villages in rural areas. So no, I always find Bertha's larks as a very interesting species. When I say thriving, make no mistake, it's still a very endangered species. But yeah, it is it's it's, it's always an, an interesting species to see. And I think that's one of the species that, you know, are, are lucky up in Vakastrum is probably one of my favorite guides in the country. Such a he's a legend. And if you've been to Vakastrum, you've either birded with Lucky or you haven't birded at all. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's one of those birds you need to get a guide to go and see. I think it's 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 a tricky bird to find. And and yeah, so I think it, that's one which I would really highly recommend getting a guide. Yeah, no, I would I would I would I would agree with you on that. Um yeah, I think a, a guide would definitely put you in good stead to finding Bertha's lark. Yeah, as I mentioned, there's only a few sites where this bird is actually um, a species that you can target. So no, I would definitely recommend connecting with a guide in the area. For example, Lucky, as you mentioned, who guides in Buckenstrom, um, he'll definitely be able to get you onto onto Bertha's larks. Yeah, I was just thinking when you mentioned that you love larks, Tyron, who's part of the Birding Life team, he always he he's a, he loves wine. I think he'd probably consider himself a bit of a wine connoisseur, a bit of a wine snob. And he's one of those guys who judges people that drink box wine. And he like I think he considers himself a true wine drinker because he drinks these expensive wine wine out, out of bottles. And I think that's kind of like you. I think when you love locks, it truly shows that you are a true birder. <laughs> yeah, locks are definitely definitely birders' birds. Um, you you have to be a birder to to fully appreciate locks. I mean, they they're not the most colourful species. Um, so yeah, but I mean, really, really fascinating group of birds. And yeah, definitely one of my one of my all time favourite favourite families. So yeah, as I mentioned, I've included two locks here in my in my top five. So you've spoken about your favourite birds, but I've, every time you're on the podcast, you know this question's coming up, and you know the question that's coming. Oh, wow. Have you seen? Above spotted fluff tail yet? Have you seen it, Adam? I have not yet seen a above spotted fluff tail. No, so it's <laughs> it's still outstanding on the list. I came really close to seeing one though. So I was up in Makubas Fluff in December, and there's sort of <laughs> there's this video of me standing here. Literally, you can hear this above spotted fluff tail calling, not not even two meters in front of me, and it's just such a difficult bird to see, and I just I just did not manage to see it. So I've been I've been closer to above spotted fluff tail. Um, than when than when we last had a chat, but I'm still yet to yet to lay eyes on Bass Butterfly Tail. Um, and it's looking unlikely that I'm going to get one within the next few months in the winter. But next summer, I'm definitely making it my goal. Next summer, I'll come back and report that I've I've seen Bass Butterfly Tail. So Daniel, we've you've gone on your your fifth and your fourth. What's your third favorite endemic species on the list? So. As my third species, I've chosen one that I've, I've I've seen more recently as of late after moving down to the Cape, True Fainball Special, and I've taken Protea canary. Actually, had really nice sightings of them over the weekend, um, and it's 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 a really special species for me. Um, it was a bird that took me a while to see originally, um, but as I mentioned, over the last couple of months, I've had a, a couple of really great sightings and interactions with the bird. It's one of the more challenging fainballs in endemics to to actually connect with, and yeah, there's just some. 
it's just sort of an, an, an appeal for me. I, I really enjoy their calls. Um, they always in these, I mean, as most famous endemics are, really attractive areas. And yeah, it's a species that I've grown to, grown, grown to love and appreciate over, over the last two months. So yeah, the Santi Slot and Protea Canary, as I mentioned, one of the more challenging ones. So yeah, that's that, that Slotin is number three for me. Yeah, I saw Trevor. Did you go with Trevor the other day? Because I saw he posted a fantastic photo of one. Yes, no, exactly. My my photos didn't come out quite as well as as Trevor's photos, but um, yeah, I was I, I was up there. And, um, yeah, we had really great views of them. They were actually feeding on the on the proteas there. I mean, as the name suggests, but um, yeah, we had really really fantastic views of them. So yeah, it's like as I mentioned, it's just definitely slots in as one of my favourite sort of Cape endemic species. Yeah, and then just on a side note, um, you're talking about the photos. I mean, on on the flock to Marin, I saw you you had one of the new Canon the mirrorless cameras. How you what what camera setup are you using, and how how have you found it compared to your previous camera? Yeah, so I've I recently made the switch to to Canon. Um, I'm I'm now using a, a 600 millimeter f11. Um, that's what's what's one of the one of the the newer mirrorless lenses um, in the Canon range, and I'm I've combined it with a with a Canon R6 body. And yeah, I must say I'm, I've been very impressed with the mirror, the, the mirrorless setup. Um, it's a, it's a massive leap ahead from from the previous camera I was using. And yeah, I mean I'm I, I don't consider myself a, a photographer, but yeah, I've been very impressed with the camera. It's performed well through everything I've put it through so far. Um, I suppose oh, only one limitation I would say, um, obviously being an f11 lens. Um, if you're shooting in forests or something, it, it, it can be a, a bit of a bit of a challenge. But in good light, the, the lens performs excellently. Um, no, I'm, I'm overall very happy with it. And I would yeah, definitely recommend that. I, I know many birders who have recently switched over to the exact same lens and body. And yeah, I think I think the majority of us are, are really happy with it. I think the one benefit about the, the, new, the new Canon mirrorless cameras is the ISO can go a, little, a lot higher. I mean, on the older cameras, as soon as it went high they got very very noisy and i've heard from a lot of the guys that are using them they say yes they you do need a higher iso but the camera does allow for it so i think that is one of the benefits with these new cameras oh yeah absolutely no you can definitely bump the iso up considerably higher than you can on uh, on many other cameras and i would say yeah well, one of the other great things is just how light it is i mean this is a, this is a 600 millimeter lens and it weighs almost half what my what my old 400 did so um yeah it's extremely lightweight they they, they package down really small so if you're if, you, if you're traveling or if you you go going on an overseas trip just just packing this lens this is fantastic um, it packs away really small it's very lightweight so if you're walking around you know do, birding in the field or something you're not lugging around this massive lens um, or very heavy lens so yeah i think the size is the the fact that it's so compact also, I mean, it's just, that also adds to, the, adds to the appeal for me. Yeah, well, talking about packing cameras away, uh, I think it was last year you did a trip overseas. I think it was to Panama. I might be wrong. Which Where did you go? And, and tell us about that. Just give us a quick overview of the trip and some of the birds you got to see. Yeah, so I, I, I did a trip to Panama last year in, in August. I was there for, for just over three weeks. Yeah, basically birding in the country. Um, absolutely fantastic country, covered most of the, the central areas on on the on the Pacific slope and then took a trip up into into the western parts of the country. Yeah, overall, I mean just a fantastic trip. Great country. Very easy, very easy to to travel in. Great forest birds, lots of endemics in the West. So yeah, really, really fin- fantastic trip. Yeah, because to be honest with you, Panama's I mean, I might be showing my ignorance here. Panama is never one of those I mean I always think of other countries, but I was, you know, really interested to see 
you know, you're doing a trip to Panama because it's not a place I would have ever thought of going out on a birding trip. So it was quite an interesting choice. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a very underrated birding destination. So I think Costa Rica tends to steal, steal the, the thunder in Central America. But I mean, Panama, just to put it into perspective for some of our South African listeners, it's, it's smaller than the, it's smaller than Pumalanga. Um, and yet it's got over 900 species, over 900 recorded species. I mean, you've got this insane avian diversity in a very small area. Um, it's a very easy country to, to, to get around, to travel in. People are very friendly. Um, I mean, 900 species in comparison to Costa Rica, if I'm not mistaken, it's, 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 it's over, over 200 species more than Costa Rica in a, a very similar sized area. So, um, yeah, I think a very undermarketed and underrated birding destination. And what are some of the overseas countries that you still want to visit? I mean, I know the list is probably huge, but what, what are some of the top top countries that will be on your list? Like you've been to Panama, what other countries would you like to go oh, to? Oh, Adam, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a really tough question. Um, I mean, certainly some of the South American countries stand out to me as countries I'd really like to visit. I would love to do a trip to, to Peru. Um, Ecuador stands out to me. Um, I, I've done a small part of Argentina, but I, I feel like I've left much to, much to see in Argentina as well. So... Um, specifically down in, in Patagonia, that would be very high on my wish list. Um, over in in Asia, I'd, I'd love to do a trip to India. Madagascar, for example, yeah, stands stands out to me. Obviously, I mean, I think Madagascar for all naturalists stands out. But yeah, just the sheer number of endemics. So yeah, I think those would be just a, a select few of the countries I'd be really keen to visit. And yeah, I mean, there's obviously sites in, in Southeast Asia. I mean, you can really go go on with this. But I mean, in Indonesia and some of those islands there with all the endemics. So. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very long list. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, Daniel, what is your number two favorite endemic South African bird? So, I've gone um, with a species that occurs in, in the West, the species that I've only got to see very recently, and that is cinnamon-breasted warbler. So, yeah, I've chosen this as, as, as my second species. It's a species that I always wanted to see. So, I suppose it's, it's just got a bit of a, a personal appeal to me. I only recently saw, as I mentioned, my first one in the Tanko Kuru. I've, I've sort of in the... I decided to set myself a, a bit of a goal this year. I'd like to see um, all the endemic species in the country this year. Um, well, basically finish the endemics, not see all of them in one year, but to finish the last few endemics that I still need to see. So cinnamon-breasted warbler was one of those species that was outstanding for me. And um, yeah, a species that, that really impressed me. We had, we had really nice views of, of two individuals. And yeah, it's definitely quite an, quite an attractive species of, of the Western area. And I think a species that appeals to many international visitors as well. So... Yeah, up in second place, I've decided to put cinnamon breasted wobbler. And then, yeah, just like kind of the last question I want to ask is in terms of, you know, you've just started guiding and that, um, you know, how has, how have you found guiding and, you know, for like almost every young bird is like, when I leave, when I leave school, I want to be a guide. How have you found the experience? You know, what is guiding being like out in the field? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I really thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I really I always say, you know, as, as a birder, you get a kick out of seeing a new species. And, and as a guide, you, you get a very similar kick out of showing someone a new species. So um, it's sort of me like reliving the first time I saw all those species. So, yeah, no, I, I really thoroughly enjoy the guiding. I'm, I'm only doing it part time now, unfortunately, but I'm obviously being based here in the Cape doing, doing my studies here. But no, as I mentioned, it's, it's, it's really something I, I, have, I have a massive passion for and yeah, really enjoying it and definitely something I, I, want, I want to pursue um, once I finish my, my studies here in the Cape. So yeah, let's um, hop on over. What is your number one endemic species 
in South Africa and why? So for my my all time favorite endemic species, um, I think I think I'm very biased in this decision um, coming from the Lapopo province, but I've decided to take a bird that I've grown up with, a bird that I've seen obviously on a, on a regular basis going up to Polokwane, and it's one of the iconic species of that area, and that is short clawed lark. So yeah, it's definitely my probably my favorite endemic. It's it's one of the it's one of the, as I mentioned, it's a bird that I, I grew up with. There's, there's photos of me, obviously, with, with my dad in the field as, as a kid. Um, my dad was doing short cord like research, actually with these birds in the hand at a very young age. So it's endemic species that I have a very, well, a, obviously, a, a Southern African endemic species that I have a very close connection with. And yeah, I mean, it, it would be wrong to include it um, in anything but first place as my, as my favorite endemic species. And yeah, it's a species that is, that is really, uh, it's a really easy species to target as well. Um, for anyone hoping to see shortcut lark around Polokwane, it's, it's a very regular species. Um, they occur pretty much in any of the overgrazed areas in between villages. And yeah, really, really a standout species for me. Even, even if it wasn't an endemic tier list, it would probably be up there with my all-time favorite species. Yeah, so Daniel, it's been awesome to chat to you again tonight. And yeah, look, we'll do another episode, sure, I'm sure, very soon again. But it's really been cool to chat to you. I know you've also been on the youth podcast. You're like, man, you got your you got your cap on the on the cruise, so you can't complain about that now. But it's always good to chat to you, man. And yeah, thanks for being on the show again. I love your your passion for birding. I love your knowledge of birds. And yeah, I can't wait to have a chat again and and do some birding with you in the near future again. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, it's been it's been, it's been really fantastic catching up a bit, having, having, having another chat on the podcast. Um, yeah, thank you very much for my cap. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites. Um, I actually, when I, now that we mentioned cinema breasted warbler, I actually had that cap on when I saw my, my first cinema breasted warbler. So yeah, no, thank you very much for having me on, on the show again. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, like you say, looking forward to, to go birding. Hopefully I can meet you in KZN and you can take me to see Bosspotted Flufftail. So thank you. Well, dude, I haven't seen a, I haven't been seen one either. So that's the sad, sad truth. So we both in the same, the same boat. But yeah, maybe we'll find one together. You, you're there with Josh at the moment. Maybe Josh can come up with you and help us get one because he's like the bird whisperer. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, we'll definitely take Josh up with us. He can, he, he, he can get us onto Bus for the Fluff Tail for sure. <laughs> yeah, lacquer man, shot for the chat. Look forward to chatting soon, man. Cool. Thanks, Adam. Cheers. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take some time to check out the other resources that we have on our website. If you have any questions or comments, please drop us an email on info at All relevant links from the episode can be found in the notes to the show. Until next time, be blessed and happy birding.